Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, the podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. This week, our continuing search for the greatest athlete in history at each of Nebraska's high schools open and closed heads west to Kimball County. Kimball County uh, is out in the panhandle, the far southwestern part of the panhandle, and we're going to be looking at three different schools. Uh, The last one we'll do is the big school in the middle, Kimball, which is still open. Uh, And then uh, further west than Kimball, closest to the uh, Wyoming state line, is Little Bushnell. And uh, the other way from Kimball, uh, all the towns in Kimball County are right along Highway 30, the old Lincoln Highway. Uh, to the east of Kimball is Dix, uh, which, of course, is now consolidated. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Okay, so our first school of Kimball County is the Bushnell Bulldogs. The Bulldogs wore blue and white until 1981. That's when they graduated their last class and then consolidated with Kimball. Um, when we look at Bushnell, uh, the history is, is pretty much on the basketball court. In fact, I know in those last couple years that they were open, uh, that was the only sport they were playing. And I think maybe boys basketball was the only sport. I'm not sure I've run across any girls basketball scores, but, but I could be wrong. If you're from out in Kimball County and know that they played girls basketball those last six or seven years that they were uh, open, uh, give me a holler. Um, We start with Bushnell history. It looks like, when you check the NSAA data, it looks like the Bulldogs played in an all-comers tournament in 1923. Uh, They're given credit for a win over Verdon, 17-10. But that seems weird because they're not given credit for a loss. And so you're like, hold it, what's going on with Bushnell? They they went and won the state tournament opener, (laughs) which would have been a round of 16, and then they just walked and said that's good enough for us. Um, so I did a little checking on that. It turns out the week of the 1923 state tournament, um, they bowed out. Uh, they, they could not attend, I believe. Is, uh, uh, they were unable to compete. There we go. That's the phrase that they said. Uh, they had been seated into Class M, which would have been the 12th of 14 uh, tournaments. Uh, they contacted Nebraska Athletic Director Gish. Uh, early in the week and said they'd be unable to compete. There was no other explanation. And they were replaced with Bolus, Bolus, the Bolus Bears, which are now a part of uh, Centura. Uh, I, this is only a theory, but I believe Bolus was probably a late entry. had gotten their entry in late, and uh, there was no place for them. So they went ahead and just uh, put Bolus right in, uh, in Bushnell's spot. And Bolus is given credit for three wins in that state tournament. Uh, the Verdon win was also bowless, so they won four. They won four in a row and won Class M. Perhaps that was a lower class seating than they would normally have been slipped into. Like I said, the 12th of 14 classes. Uh, they beat Verdon, Milligan, Springfield, and Ong. Uh, but Bushnell's state tournament history does not b- begin there. Uh, it begins in 1940 uh, when they won the district and then won a playoff uh, over Venango. At Sydney, 36 to 26 for the win. Uh, in that era, in Class D, there were 31 districts. 
I don't know why 31 that year. That's a little strange. And then there were 15 playoffs, and then they just let one school in. I, I think it was O'Fallon's near North Platte that they just let in on, on the district win. And they matched everybody else up, and Bushnell uh, beat uh, Venango uh, to go to the state tournament. In the tournament, then, they lost to Grafton 31-20. to 20. Uh, Probably on that 1940 team, though I hadn't hadn't been able to uh, confirm it, is a pretty good candidate for greatest athlete at Bushnell. That'd be Del Delbert Delbert Smith, uh, who was a great track athlete. I know for sure he won the pole vault in 1940. Uh, He medaled in the long jump uh, that year also, and then the next year uh, he brought home four medals, though he didn't win any championships. He was fourth in the 220, fourth in the discus, tied for second in the high jump, and finished third in the pole vault that year. He had gone 11-9 as a junior, which is a pretty, pretty good mark uh, for that era. So that's Delbert Smith, and I kind of assume he was on that 1940 basketball team, though I hadn't been able to to, uh, make that for sure yet. Uh, Then it was 40 years before Bushnell went to the state tournament again, exactly 40 years in 1980. Uh, they won the district by beating Alliance St. Agnes, Lyman, and Layton. Uh, they beat Layton by 354-51 in that district final. It was a big win because Layton had beaten them in double overtime early in February. Uh, and then they played uh, at Chapel. They played against Paxton uh, in the Class D regional final and won 52-45. to um, And that made them uh, 18-4. and uh, for the year, and they headed the state tournament. Uh, they were the third smallest school in the state at that point playing basketball. They only had 19 students, 11 of them boys. Um, and uh, they went down to state and got matched up with Philly. And, of course, if you know your late 70s, early 80s history, you know that's a bad match. Philly was a uh, juggernaut at that time. Uh, everybody on the Philly team was over six foot. They were... 21 and 0 entering state. They had like a 79 game win streak. Um, Bushnell only started one person, uh, Mike Hogg, at 6 1. Everybody else, including center Todd Parsons, was 5 11. The other forward, Clint Cornells, was 5 11. And then the guard spots were the Land Boys, Steve Land and Mark Land at 5 10 and 5 11. It's Steve, uh, Steve, who was kind of the top gun. Uh, he scored 25 in that regional final against Paxton to lead him to the state tournament. Uh, he gra- he was a junior that year. He graduated in 1981 when he led him to the district final uh, before they lost to Harrisburg, who, by the way, went all the way to state and then got crushed by Philly. Uh, so uh, you kind of see a pattern there. Um, but uh, Steve Land's last three years, which were the last three years of the school, they were 50 and 15 in uh, in basketball, despite having three different coaches and never having enough players to scrimmage. So that's a pretty impressive run for Bushnell. Probably the, their high point of school history happens to be in the last three years the school was open. And I'm going to pick Steve Land, who I had the uh, great privilege to meet last year. He's back coaching uh, the Gehring girls again. Um, he had quite a run there the first time with them. He guided Gehring to four straight state championships between uh, 2002 and 2005. His best team was the 2003 team that went 25-1. and one. Uh, They had won 25 straight before running into South Sioux City in the state championship game. Um, so Steve Land, a great coach and the greatest athlete in Bushnell High history. School in Kimball County will go uh, across the county to the east side. 
and uh, talk about the Dix Panthers. Uh, the Bushnell Bulldogs wore blue and white. The Dix Panthers wore green and white. Uh, Dix was in business on their own until 1987, when, of course, they consolidated across the county line with Potter to form Potter Dix. Um, when we talk about Golden Era uh, in Dix High School, I think we're talking about uh, f- specifically four football seasons in the late 1960s and early 1970s. Uh, Dix went undefeated. For those four years, uh, 1968, 8-0, 1969, 7-0, 1970, 8-0, and 1971, 9-0. That's 32 uh, straight games plus, you know, whatever on either side of that they might have accumulated. Quite a streak. Um, they didn't break through for a state championship until that last year. Uh, in 1968, uh, they were rated uh, second and fourth in the two papers in 69, fourth in both papers in 70, second and third. Uh, sometimes uh, the papers deferred to other undefeated teams. Uh, I know in 68, uh, the World Herald went with Pilger, who was 8-1 and one, but had lost a Class C game. Uh, again, you know, in those rating squabbles, you get into, okay, what's the schedule looks like? What does your conference look like? How how much prestige do we think those teams on your schedule have? Uh, but in 1971, uh, they broke through and uh, claimed the Class D 11-man state championship with that 9-0 season and that fourth straight year. Lots of great GOAT candidates uh, coming out of that. Uh, Mather's pick. Uh, in his 1980 book was Dan McKinney, uh, who was an all-stater on those first two teams in 68 and 69. Um, consensus all-stater, uh, a, uh, a back at times and an end at times, kind of nominated and honored at a couple different positions. A couple other all-staters during that uh, stand, uh, Carl Stander, all-state uh, lineman in 1970, and Roy Wordman, a consensus all-stater at center. Uh, for the Panthers. So uh, quite a run for the Dix Panthers and some nominees for greatest athlete, obviously. Um, after that golden era, I think we want to look to the best team uh, that Dix had during the playoff era, and that was the 1972 team that uh, went all the way to the uh, eight-man two, uh, excuse me, the 1979 team that uh, went all the way to the Class D2 semifinals. Um, that team was led by an All-Stater, Mark Dom, who went on to letter for three years as a linebacker at Nebraska. Uh, great candidate um, for their greatest athlete. They beat Bartley in those playoffs 32-6 to uh, and then lost to Arthur uh, in the semifinals. Arthur, who went on to win the title, lost them 30-22. to um, A lot of the papers... Uh, well, the World Herald ranked Dick second that year, despite not making the final. Uh, the Lincoln Journal kept them back at number four. Uh, I think they played Arthur pretty tough. I, I can see the argument that they should be uh, number two. Uh, in 1980s, probably the greatest basketball uh, team in Dick's history, uh, led by uh, All-Stater Arian Crown, uh, 1985 grad. Um, basketball in uh, 85 uh, they uh, made state they made it actually two years in a row 84 85 in 84 they lost to Clearwater who of course is on quite a run at that point in 85 they beat Thedford in the first round pretty handily 64 42 and then fell to Clearwater much closer the first year they lost to Clearwater by 40 that second year was more like a 10 point game 
they would qualify for state a couple years later in 1987 and run into Clearwater again. Um, and so uh, that Clearwater era ended lots of runs. But Potter probably had their best basketball teams in there. As I mentioned, Arian Cron uh, was an All-Stater, six foot six post player uh, who averaged over 15 points a game. All right, let's see. As we're looking at Potter history then, uh, let's take a look uh, at the track uh, champions, and that might get us some perspective. Uh, the first track medalist was actually their first champion in 1959. Ward McGowan uh, won the 880 uh, for Dix. Um, their next champion then, and their only other champion, was 1980 discus champion Mark Dom, who we had mentioned uh, as a football all-stater and a Nebraska football letterman. I, to me, that seals it and, and makes Mark Dom uh, the greatest athlete in Dick's Panther history, at least on the boys' side. Let's talk about it on the girls' side. Uh, for the girls' side, I think the place we want to start looking uh, is on the track um, and right away at the beginning of Nebraska track history. The first three years of the state track meet in 71, 72, and 73, uh, Debbie Quillen, of Potter uh, accumulated nine medals, including championships in the in seventy one in the two twenty, and then she swept Class D in the one hundred, two twenty, and four forty in nineteen seventy two. Picked up another hundred meter title in her senior year in seventy three. Um, and to me, uh, that makes it a no brainer for uh, uh, Debbie Quillen to be the greatest girl athlete in Potter Panther history and we'll finish up with the big school in Kimball County the uh, Kimball Longhorns I believe it's now Kimball County High School but you know we've kind of talked about that before uh, about how that county designation uh, sometimes we don't know exactly when that came to be uh, I kind of imagine it was in in 81 82 uh, when uh, Bushnell joined but not sure they're still the Kimball Longhorns they still wear red and white and we want to uh, start uh, with Kimball, we want to talk basketball history, and we want to talk way back, uh, way back to the 1920 uh, All-Comers Tournament. When you first look at uh, Kimball, you, you think right away, well, that 1920 uh, State Basketball Championship where they beat Nebraska deaf, uh, that was for the Class D bracket, again, an All-Comers Tournament, so they were placed into Class D, uh, that that would be uh, their big moment, but really, when you look at the next year, 1921, uh, maybe that's more impressive. In 20, to win that Class D title, they beat Ansley, North Bend, and Clarkson before dealing with Nebraska School for the Deaf, and and we know in that, you know, really the 20s and the 30s, Nebraska School for the Deaf, a uh, great basketball program. Uh, but if we look at 21 the next year after winning Class D, when they come back to state in 21, they get placed in the Class A bracket. Uh, and they go out in the first round and beat Sutton, eighteen to seventeen, a, a good a good team in that era. And then in the second round, they beat Omaha Central, sixteen to fifteen. So a couple big one point wins. And then uh, in the semis, they play Lincoln University Place, of course, one of the schools that will eventually consolidate and become Lincoln uh, Northeast. Uh, and they lose fourteen to eleven. Played University Place tough. University Place in the finals will lose to Omaha Commerce, who of course is Omaha Tech. Um, but I think maybe that 1921 team uh, that makes a Class A semifinal run might be Kimball's greatest basketball season ever. They were led by an All-Stater named Bernie uh, Tabrink, 
Uh, he was a second-team all-class, all-stater in the World Herald in 1921. So Kimball history uh, goes way back. Next, when you're talking uh, Kimball, I think you want to look at the 1982 team, which was a Class B semifinalist. And then in 1997, uh, we get another athlete to maybe think of, and that's an All-State basketball player, uh, Brent Clausen, six foot seven, big man. Uh, by then, Kimball was playing uh, in Class C, I believe. Uh, then in 2013, uh, Michael Dom, <laughs> there's that Dom name again in Kimball County. Michael Dom leads Kimball uh, to the uh, C1 semifinals. He was a two-time All-Stater as Kimball was kind of moving between C1 and C2 uh, during his career. As we look at football teams uh, for Kimball, uh, probably the high point uh, we want to look at 1965 and 1966. Uh, both of those teams uh, went undefeated, 9-0. and uh, But you can see that Kimball's Class B schedule out west was probably not well respected. Um, they never made the top five uh, during those eras. In fact, I'm not sure the World Herald even ranked them. Uh, the Lincoln, Lincoln Papers had them at number seven and number six, those two undefeated years. Uh, a couple All-Staters kind of keyed that operation, Steve Johnson was an All-State back in 65, and Henry Jen Jennings was a consensus All-Stater in 66. Then when we look at uh, Kimball in the playoff era, uh, they've had 13 qualifications uh, starting way back in the first playoffs. They were in the Class B playoffs and played Waverly tough, 14-7. to uh, Several appearances in the B playoffs, then you start seeing them in the in the C playoffs, and eventually in the eight-man playoffs, uh, um, and some great uh, football players in the time. Uh, Tim Schneider was an All-Stater in 74, Eric Vogler in 75, uh, Dave Soto in 77, and then John Soto in 81, uh, along with another Dom, Mitch Dom, uh, in 1981 was an All-State linebacker for the Longhorns. All right, uh, let's see. Let's go next, then, um, to a state champ. We haven't talked about it, state championships uh, for Kimball, but the 1993 Class C state golf champs were the Kimball Longhorns. They won a pretty exciting <clears throat> sudden-death team playoff <clears throat> Excuse me, in that meet, which was held at Lachlan and Hastings. They had playoff with Geneva, uh, and they came out uh, victorious. Chris Brown and Brock Wentz were leaders for the Longhorns, tying for ninth. Uh, Geneva had the individual champ, Ted Stratman, that year. But the Longhorns provided more team depth, and it showed in that overtime, overtime, in that sudden death playoff as they won the 93 Class C State Golf Championship. Uh, probably the greatest wrestler in Kimball Longhorn uh, era should get some notice for greatest athletes, and that, that would be Sean Nagel. He's a three-time champ in 2008, 2009, and 2010. Uh, Kimball, long history of some great track athletes, too. Uh, they finished in the top 10 in Class B in both 74 and 79. Uh, looking at uh, their track champions, that 79 team was led by maybe their greatest track athlete, uh, Gary Danielson. Uh, Danielson won the mile and the two-mile both in 78 and 79. Um Looking back, uh, their first champion was 1947, Francis Courtney, who won the Class B high jump. In 1961, Jerry Randall won the uh, Class B discus. In 1966, uh, 
Jim Sobolewski won uh, the Class B high jump. Uh, they had a two-mile relay team in 67 that was state champs. Uh, Darnell Brown was Class B low hurdle champ in 68. John Walker was Class B long jump champ in 70. Keith Longmore was the half-mile Class B champ in 1973. Uh, David Wasser won the 1974 Class B triple jump. Then you have the Danielson run. Then in 82, we see a name we've already dealt with a little bit. That's Mitch Dom. Uh, he didn't win the discus and the shot put in 82, but he finished second in both, making him a pretty good uh, GOAT candidate. Uh, then in 1983 and 1984, uh, Jeff Schneider uh, won the high jump in 83, and he medaled four four other times in the hurdles and the high jump. Uh, in 1985 and 86, Jeff uh, Feitner uh, medaled in the hurdles, uh, both hurdles, both years, for four total medals. And then uh, in 2015 and 2016, Jaden Withrow competing in the jumps. He won the triple jump in 2016. And in 2019, Brady Kilgore, uh, who won five total medals, uh, won uh, the Class C 110-meter high hurdles. So some great uh, track athletes there overall. Um, I think uh, with the football and the... Uh, football and uh, track history, that that makes Mitch Dom uh, the greatest athlete in Kimball High history. As we turn to the girls, uh, the girls have had a great long history in track as well, uh, starting right at the beginning. Uh, 1973, Arlene Volkmer was the Class B half-mile champion, and Jean Watson not only won the high jump, but she shared the overall class uh, gold medal in 73. Um the team tied for runner-up that year in B. Um, jump forward a decade. In 1983, you get the only other girl state champion in Longhorn history. That's Ellen Johnson, who won the Class B long jump that year. Um, as you move ahead, we see um, some great athletes from the class of 1988. Uh, Krista Basha was a first-team All-Nebraska volleyball, six-footer for the Longhorns, Class of 88, and Angie Leopold, uh, was an eight-time track medalist. She medaled all four years in high school in uh, uh, middle and long-distance events. She was an 800, 1600-meter, and 3200-meter athlete. Uh, she medaled all four years, though she never won uh, an individual uh, state championship. Then in 1999, on the girls' side, you've got Melissa Christensen, uh, who led the Longhorns to a state basketball runner-up finish. Uh, where they beat Wahoo Newman and Hardington Cedar Catholic before uh, falling to North Bend in the Class C-1 state final of 1999. Uh, but I think when we're really looking for the Kimball High GOAT, maybe uh, maybe of both genders, you want to look in the 1979-1980 era. Um, Angie Janicek led the Longhorns to the 1979 Class B Volleyball Championship. That was Longhorns' only trip to Volleyball State. Uh, they beat Omaha Paul VI, Waverly, and Minden. All the wins were in straight sets. Janicek was consensus all-state in volleyball. Uh, in the winter, then, she led uh, the Longhorns to the runner-up finish in Class B in basketball, uh, where they beat Mercy and Minden before falling to Ashland Greenwood by four points in the Class B final. Janicek was also honored as all-state basketball. And uh, in her state track career, she brought home a couple high jump medals. Didn't win it, but a, but a couple medals. I think that combined three-sport resume makes Andy Janicek the greatest athlete 
in Kimball High School history. All right, that's it for another episode of Suiting Up Varsity. Uh, next week, I or next time we uh, do the goats, I actually have a uh, Omaha Burke episode that I've kind of been messing with a little bit. Maybe that's the next one that will show up in your feed. Omaha Beverage, Omaha Burke. Um, but uh, the next time we, we look for greatest athlete of all kind of, I think we'll probably head north up along the northern border uh, or somewhere close for a county. I haven't actually picked out a county yet. I guess if you want to uh, jump on our Twitter feed, at SuitUpVarsity, and suggest what county should be next, uh, give it a try. Uh, or check out our newly spruced up webpage at SuitingUpVarsity.org. <laughs> i got to change my script. I keep almost getting that wrong, suitingupvarsity.org. There we have links to the Twitter nominations that we did for greatest athletes at each Nebraska school. Uh, There's a link to our newly uh, curated list of Nebraska high school sports history films that have been put up on YouTube. Uh, Links to all of our episodes. I know I soon want to get our uh, database we worked on a little bit earlier this spring on... uh, on the first game in each home gym of Nebraska high schools. We're kind of working on that. Uh, We just hope to hear from you soon, whether it's on Twitter. Uh, My email is available uh, on the front page of of suitingupvarsity.org. If you need to get in contact with me, boy, the Twitter feed's been very exciting in this time of of the virus. Uh, People have been stuck at home a little bit, and you can tell they've been digging through things. There have been some amazing uh, newspaper clippings, photographs, documents, artifacts from Nebraska high school sports history. There have been some days I haven't had to post much because so many people on the feed were putting up amazing things. You should really check it out. Uh, We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like this podcast, please take time to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you, uh, you find your podcasts. It helps others to find our show. Or, and, and you know, I'm starting to think maybe this is the bigger deal. If you could share one of our episodes on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever social media. I know there's probably some TikTokers out there and some, some Instagram uh, influencers. Uh, share, share one of our episodes on there to help uh, other Nebraska sports fans find our podcast. This has been Suiting Up Varsity, episode 33, written and produced by me, Greg Mays, technical and research assistance by my brothers Tate Mays and Trent Mays, helpful audio advice and encouragement from Chris Shukai, and as always, dedicated to Jerry Mathers, the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast. Suiting Up Varsity is the anchor show of the Nebraska Varsity Network, copyright 2020. And it's time for me to go wash more dishes. Seems like that's what I do almost all the time. Hope you're all staying safe. Hey, uh, it's a great time to uh, subscribe to the World Herald, the Lincoln Journal, uh, who provide us lots of great sports history. Lots of the things I dig up wouldn't be possible uh, without their old issues. And it's a tough time for journalism. So if you were thinking, uh, you know, hey, I ought to do something good today, uh, and you're not a subscriber to one of those two, uh, good Lord knows I've had my squabbles with them. You know, the World Herald's Husker coverage constantly makes me... uh, steam but uh but i'm a subscriber because they need the support and we need them have a great week